Good morning. It's always so good to see you guys. Glad that you're here this morning as we continue this series about the gospel. The gospel. Now that sounds like kind of a fancy word, doesn't it? But what exactly does it mean? Well, the dictionary says the gospel means the teaching or revelation of Christ. Christ revealed to us. And we like to call the gospel the good news. The news that Christ came into the world to save us, and it is. Or maybe you think the gospel simply means the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it is. Or you think it's how God speaks to us. It offers us a new way of life or a purpose or a peek at who God really is. And the truth is the gospel is all of those things. And it is the historical account, the biographies of Jesus' life on earth written by several different authors. And you know, we have more historical evidence for Jesus' existence than we do for Aristotle's. We know that Jesus was here, even if we don't all agree that he was God. So this morning, I want to talk about the gospel from a perspective that I hope will engage both the faithful disciples of Christ and those who are skeptical doubters, because I have been on both ends of that faith spectrum. So wherever you sit right now, I am so glad that you are here. And this is my question for all of us. What is the purpose of the gospel? Why was it written? And can we find a way to look at it that will engage all of us? Kind of a common lens, if you will. And so to help us bring this into focus, I want to share a a true story. So sometime in the 90s, a little girl came into my practice. I'm just going to call her Katie for HIPAA purposes. But she was required to have an eye exam before kindergarten. She had passed those chart tests that you get at the regular doctor's office, and so they had no concerns. But I was having a conversation with her mom, and I said, well, how did preschool go? And she said, well, I think we're going to go ahead and track Katie into special ed. She's just not a very good learner. But we found out that she had a huge problem. Everything she saw was completely distorted, and she couldn't see anything close up. But the solution for Katie was super simple. It was just a pair of glasses. She didn't need surgery. She didn't need therapy. She just needed glasses. And so the day she came to pick those up, her dad happened to bring her in, and she was sitting on his lap. She slips on her pair of glasses, and then she turned her head to look at him, and she said, Dad, I can see your teeth. (laughs) And I can still picture it, just like she was sitting right in front of me. Her dad wasn't just a blurry smear when she sat on his lap. He had clear features, and she especially liked his smile. So fast forward one year, Katie is back for her yearly checkup. How was kindergarten, I said. Mom beams at me. Great, she's near the top of her class. And I often think about how that simple change in her vision, in her focus, in the way that she saw things changed the whole course of her life. And just like her parents, you might be thinking, well, why didn't she say something? but she had never experienced anything else. So how would she know it was supposed to be different? And that was me too, spiritually. Growing up as an atheist, I had no idea what I was missing, 
or how distorted my view of Jesus was until he was revealed to me. And you know what I wish? I wish that I could give every one of you a pair of glasses that would make you all recognize Jesus the way I recognize him now. Not distorted through the lens of media or politics or social agenda or your holier-than-thou neighbor. Not distorted through me and my imperfect life. But I can't. I wish I could give you a lens with which you could see the real Jesus as easily as I could correct Katie's vision. But I can't. But I can offer you something else. The gospel. And so today, would you all put on an imaginary pair of glasses with me? And instead of all the different perspectives and ways that we focus on the gospel, no matter where we are in our faith, could you look at the gospel with me through the lens of an invitation? That's what it really is, you know. An invitation to know the real Jesus who walked among us and to see for yourselves who he is and to decide what you're going to do about him. So let's open up this invitation. And I promise that no matter who you are, I will have some part of this teaching that's for you, okay? So it's, it's wedding invitation season right now. I, I'm up to eight for the summer, eight wedding invitations. And when we pull that thick, fancy envelope out of the mailbox and we see our name written in fancy letters, Stephanie Roller, you are invited. What is the very first thing that you do? You look to see who sent it, right? Who's it from? And the gospel opens with an invitation to recognize who sent it, to see Jesus, the creator, Jesus, the Lord. And it starts right away in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now this is important. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Psalm 19 describes the creation invitation like this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, and yet... Their voice goes out into all the world, all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. The creation proclaims Jesus just by existing for us to see it. The gospel invites us to see Jesus through the creation, saying he was there for all of it, and none of it happened without him. So speaking to any skeptics in the room, those of you who were like I was, who think we can reason away the existence of God, I beg you to at least look at this invitation again. Don't be afraid to open your eyes and see the possibility of Jesus, to see things that we can't reason away. And there are many things that can make us notice him, not just the creation, but things like music. How can music alone, without any words at all, evoke emotion? And why does laughter, embarrassment, compassion, gratitude, or other emotion exist anyway? What good does it do me? Why do I cry when a fictional dog, a fictional dog, 
dies in the movie that I'm watching. Reason that one for me. And why do I give to St. Jude's Hospital? I mean, those sick kids aren't mine, so who cares? And if you think that that sounds harsh and horrible, so do I. And so maybe we have just a little bit more than reason running through our heads. And maybe we are just a little bit more than DNA looking to reproduce itself, as fascinated as I am by that very cool molecule. Looking at the math of creation, I reasoned myself into seeing God everywhere. And Jesus is inviting us to notice him. And that's the first part of the invitation of the gospel. Notice me, he says, here I am. And if you are a scientific skeptic and you want to have a conversation with me about that part of my journey, reach out because I get you. I really, really do. So for all of us, not just my fellow doubters, I want to paraphrase another atheist turned Jesus follower, the author C.S. Lewis. If this invitation, this gospel is fake, just some ancient form of catfishing, then the gospel doesn't matter. It's of zero importance. But if this gospel is the real deal, there is nothing more important. It is, without exception, the most important invitation any of us will ever receive. And I think we owe it to ourselves to take a sincere look at it. So if we recognize Jesus, then what is it that he's inviting us to? Well, Jesus simply invites us to follow him. And the very first person that Jesus invites is Peter. He does it in Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Come follow me. I love this invitation. You know why? Because Jesus invites some simple fishermen who really don't know anything about what he's going to do or teach or how he's going to change the world or even what their job is going to be to follow him. The only qualification they needed to get to know Jesus was just to respond, yes. That's it. Well, thank God, because when I recognized who Jesus was, I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about church. I had never even been to a youth group event one time in my entire life. I didn't know what Jesus taught, let alone follow it. Same as these fishermen. Think about this invitation. Come follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Jesus didn't say, come lead me. He didn't say, come give me some advice. He didn't say, correct me when you think I'm wrong. I don't have to pass a qualifying test. No. He gave me a really simple invitation. I'm the creator of the universe. Follow my lead. You be my student. Do what I do. Learn what I teach. I'll take the lead. You follow. Come on. And you are invited to follow. Every one of you. And all through the recorded Gospels, Jesus keeps inviting people to follow him. Even at the very end, he invites people of every nation to follow. And today, people of every nation do. 
And it's tempting right now for me to start talking about what things Jesus teaches and hit on some highlights of Jesus' story or to talk about how those teachings change our lives. But that's for another time. Today, we're going to keep focused on the gospel as an invitation. So Jesus says, come follow me. But we still have to decide how to respond. Because I'll tell you what. I love everyone who sent me a wedding invitation, but I'm probably not going to eight weddings this summer, right? I have to go fishing for sure. Okay, let's look at one of my favorite responses to this invitation, and it's in, it's in Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree because he knew Jesus was coming that way. Now a couple of things here. See how Zacchaeus starts with the first part of the invitation, recognizing the sender. He wants to see Jesus. He notices him. But pay attention that the crowd is blocking his view. He can't see clearly. And today we have so many obstacles blocking our view of the real Jesus. And that's why I urge you to look at the Gospels for yourselves. To get a clear picture of him. And not distorted through those other lenses that we talked about earlier. And the story continues, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus offers this invitation to everyone, no matter who you are, come follow me. Come get to know me at dinner. Come spend time with me. There are no pre-qualifications required. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham, a part of the family. For the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and save what was lost. Zacchaeus not only sees Jesus, he became a follower and changed some things in his life because of it. Do you ever think about meeting one of our heroes in heaven someday? I do that. And I think I'd like to meet Zacchaeus. A guy who wanted to know Jesus so much that he climbed a tree and gave away a whole bunch of his wealth in order to put Jesus at the head of his life. And I know that we tend to think of Zacchaeus as more of a Sunday school story, you know, a guy who climbed a tree. But if we look at this part of the gospel through the lens of an invitation, then Zacchaeus is also a guy who said, yes, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I'll be your student, I'll learn what you teach, I'll practice what you preach. But not everyone says yes. And so we read a different story in Mark 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Now, this guy recognizes who Jesus is because he knows that Jesus can answer questions about eternity, and he calls him good. And Jesus calls him out on it just a little bit. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not give false testimony, shall not defraud, and honor your father and mother. Teacher, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. Here's this invitation again. This is just like put down your nets to come follow me, except put down your money and power to come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. When Jesus invites us to come follow him, he means to take the lead. Nothing ahead of us except him. And so he might ask us to put aside anything that hinders us from following, be it our fishing nets or our money or something else. And it's important to see here that Jesus didn't send him away. It's the man who chose to go away sad. And he didn't rescind the invitation either. It's still open. He could choose to accept that invitation anytime. So it's up to us to respond yes like Zacchaeus or no like the rich young man. Now I promise something for those of you who open this gospel invitation every single day. You see Jesus. You follow him. You've changed your life for him. It's been going on for years. So now what? If we keep looking, I think you'll agree that we are invited to one more thing. So remember, who was the first person that was invited to come follow Jesus? Peter. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he calls to Peter, come follow me but also something more. Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's Jesus and Peter's first conversation. In the Gospel of John, the very last conversation recorded is between Jesus and guess who? Peter. Peter's been a disciple for a long time. He walked away from his life as a fisherman. He spent years learning and questioning and working beside him. He saw Jesus tried and crucified and resurrected. And now at the very end, Jesus invites him to one more thing. And if you've been following for a while, I wonder if he's inviting you to one more thing too. Peter had denied ever knowing Jesus during his arrest and crucifixion. So Jesus reconciled their relationship. And then he said to Peter, Peter, if you truly love me more than anything, then feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. I'm not going to be here physically anymore. So you do what I was doing. Whether it's catching men or feeding sheep, Jesus is simply saying, go and find other people and invite them to follow me. It's like getting a wedding invitation with a plus one, except it's a plus everyone. So for those of us who long ago decided to follow Jesus, who said yes to the invitation, 
How are we doing at sharing the good news, the gospel, the invitation to know the creator of the universe? What are we doing to help other people understand and respond to Jesus? About a month ago, I watched a hero of mine show up at a Habitat for Humanity build several weeks into daily radiation treatments for cancer. And we all teased him that this didn't seem to be taking it easy. And even though he didn't do the heavy stuff he might normally do, he still coached me through a new building skill. And then I watched him talk to and encourage a single mom who hopes to be a homeowner herself someday. Now I know that he would be too humble to say that this is what he was doing, but he was an extending an invitation to everyone to keep following and serving Jesus just by his example. And in our last series, we had the honor of listening to two 100-year-olds in our congregation talk about how they still encourage and invite and run prayer ministries. And kids invite their friends to youth ministries all the time. So how are we doing at that? I mean, when was the last time we invited someone to church or to a Bible study or we volunteered at VBS or just shared with a friend who Jesus is. We aren't meant to keep it to ourselves. So I want to invite all of you right now, over the next year, we have scheduled some really powerful teaching series that are designed to help you open this invitation a little bit more. So skeptic, or longtime follower, would you consider accepting the challenge and the invitation to dig deeper week by week into the gospel, the good news? I believe this is the most important invitation that any one of you will ever receive, and I'm extending it to you. An invitation to see him and to recognize him. An invitation to follow and know the real Jesus an invitation to respond to him, and an invitation to share the good news with everyone. So wherever you are in your faith journey, I hope you'll respond yes. We're gonna move now into a time of communion, and then I'm gonna pray for us while the communion servers come forward, and then we're gonna close today with some more worship with music. So if you're a follower of Jesus, he invites you to the communion table because on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross in order to bring us into relationship with you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for the invitation that you're constantly extending, the invitation to see you, to know you, to follow you, to change our lives for you, and to be a part of what you're doing. Forgive us when we are blinded by so many distractions that we can't even see you. And now open our eyes to see you everywhere. We give glory, honor, and praise in your name, Jesus.